Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I'm your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Eddie Rice. And here's a bit about Eddie. Eddie is a professional speech writer with over 10 years of experience in helping business leaders, keynote speakers, TED Talk presenters, and everyday people enhance the messages they tell through great storytelling and structure. He loves creating strong narrative-driven speeches that focus on balancing emotional and thought leadership content. As a speech writer, he works with CEOs, college presidents and trustees, superintendents and principals, business owners, authors, politicians, organizational leaders, nonprofit executive directors, and everyone in between. Public speaking and speech, write, speech writing are equalizers. We all want to say just the right words, whether it's small groups or large audience is. And, you know, outside of that, you know, keynote speeches, um, you could use them for authors, thought leaders, and all those amazing things. But the most important thing is how to make that speech memorable so people could remember what you said. So that's what we're going to dive in today with Eddie. So without further ado, please welcome Eddie Rice to GEMS Podcast. Thank you, Genesis. I'm happy to be here. My pleasure. Wow, Eddie, what an impressive background and bio. So before we dive in, I want to let you know what got you started down this path. Sure. So I thought I was going to be an eighth grade science teacher, and I also thought I was going to go to law school. Um, Both of those dreams um, really didn't pan out. I tried them both, and they came to their natural conclusion. Uh, But what I found, though, was there were people on the internet who needed speeches written. And I had taken classes in college on rhetoric and thought, why not help out these people who are posting on sites like Elance and Odesk and Upwork um, and help them out? Well, sure enough, uh, they needed my help. And I started a business for helping people write speeches. And sure enough, I get a few a number of clients every year who need help with a speech. And it's just been a natural fit for my writing abilities and public speaking abilities. That is amazing. But what what also stood out was the fact that you said you wanted to be an eighth grade science teacher. That's just way out there. So why eighth grade and why science at first? It was really what happened in college. Um, I thought I was going to go to law school right after college, but a recruiter from Teach for America said, have you thought about teaching? I had a little bit. And I said, why not? Let's go for it. I went through the application process, very grueling. Um, It was like three rounds, I remember. And the last part of the application was a full day interview um, with tons of different activities to go through. Uh, But I loved it and loved everything about it. And they kind of, um, you get some say in what you teach, but other times TFA will put you where the need is the highest. So they said, can you teach eighth grade science? I said, sure, I can definitely try and loved it. I did it for two years in the Mississippi Delta region in Southeast Arkansas, and then another three in Austin, Texas at a charter school. 
Uh, I love Austin. Austin has my heart. I'm actually in Houston, but um, that's amazing. And I'm glad that you at least tried it for two years and then now you pivot it and you're doing speech writing as well as some other things behind the scenes. So whenever you um, write speeches, what is like the process that you go through? Because people don't just want a bland speech. They want that wow factor. Like, I don't want to just get up there on stage, but I want them to remember me and remember what I said. Sure. Um, it starts with the brainstorming process. What I tell every client is it's going to be a partnership. I want their ideas. So I start with a brainstorming questionnaire that gets to the heart of the stories that they want to tell in their speech. So we go through, what's your main point? What are your three sub points to that main point? What's the structure of the speech going to be? But then of course, what stories are you going to tell? And that's what really separates out the great speeches from the good ones are the stories that people choose to tell on stage. If you just go up there with just a bunch of facts and information and PowerPoint slides, people are going to be just put to sleep immediately. And I even tell my clients, don't even create the PowerPoint slides yet. Create your speech first, get that down, get it memorized, and then go create the PowerPoint slides to be support for your speech, but not to be your speech entirely. I like that, especially with me coming from a corporate background and oil and gas. Like if someone is throwing up those slides and the slide number one, it's too busy. There's way too many things on it. And you're reading off of the slide verbatim. There's no substance in your speech. I, I feel like you could have just given me the freaking presentation and I could have read it myself and <laughs> analyzed it. But whenever someone starts with the speech first and reverse engineer it and work backwards, then you see the heart, you see the soul, and you see that they're really having fun. And I think what you're what you do is pretty cool because in the bio, I I know we uh, mentioned speech writing for like different people in weddings, politicians, and different stuff. So out of the various people that you have speech written for um, previously, what has been your most rewarding one, like industry wise and speech wise? Ooh, that's a really good question. Because um, I, I can't really divulge any of my clients, but I can tell you working on TEDx speeches has been probably one of the best type of speeches to write. Um, you get these experts who are just at the top of their game in their field, and you get to help them craft a narrative that's going to ruffle some feathers, or it's going to make people uncomfortable in a good way, or think about ideas in a different way. And it's those types of speeches where you can change minds that I really enjoy writing. Has anyone ever came to you with just a blank canvas and blank mind? And they're like, I really don't know what to write, Eddie, but I know that you're the best of the best based on the metrics and the people that you've worked with, whether you, because I know you don't name drop them for confidentiality reasons, but has that happened to you? And what, what do you do in that incident? <laughs> Yeah, we get on a phone call very quickly at that point. Um, it has happened more times than I can count, and that's okay. So I, I love to do um, either video, phone, video calls over Zoom or just a regular phone call, and we talk through the ideas. And it amazes me every time that someone says, I don't have this idea inside of me. And then all of a sudden, after we're done with a half hour or hour long conversation, 
we pretty much have the basics of the speech ready to go. And it really is in asking the question, you know, can you summarize your main point in one sentence? What's your supporting research? What are your supporting stories? Once we get into those questions, then the ideas start to flow and it becomes much easier to write the speech. And the person is just amazed by themselves that they had the idea in them the whole time. So do you have the same process each time, like a, a generalized process, I mean, or is each one of the clients that you work with um, unique because you never know like what their speech is going to necessarily target. But I mean, from a speech writer perspective, there has to be some type of blueprint that you use so you could rinse and repeat. Oh, yes, very much. Um, that was one of the things I learned in, in starting my own business is I needed repeatable processes that I could go back to over and over again. So what I did was the first step is the brainstorming part. Second step is the draft and the outline. Third is revisions. And then fourth is the actual presentation and performance of the speech. And with each client, it's unique as to how long each part of that process is going to take. Sometimes it's going to be a long brainstorming process where for TEDx, I've had to do four brainstorming sessions an hour long to get all of the ideas out from somebody. Um, but those help in creating the ultimate speech that, uh, is, that the person gives. Versus if it's a wedding toast, usually an hour long conversation with somebody for a five minute speech, I can usually do that in a few days and that's not a problem whatsoever. And then whenever you think about the area that you're in now and you think about the competitors who are around you, what differentiates you? I think one, it's the fact that I'm willing to get on the phone with somebody. Um, there are a lot of speech writers and writers out there that just do everything over email, which you know is great, but you don't get to hear the person's tone. You don't get to hear their voice. You don't get to hear just where they're coming from and to ask clarifying questions. And at the same time, I'm very fast when I write. So I, this is probably a little bit of a secret. People think that I'm writing the whole time after I get the brainstorming questionnaire, but I'm taking that entire time to really work out in my head and to work out out loud what the speech is going to sound like. Once I have that, then I can put pen to paper and write the speech or you know, fingers to keyboard is really what happens. <laughs> and then so... This is so cool, just going behind the scenes. So have you ever envisioned writing for celebrities or writing for script writers? Because, and how different is that with you being a speech writer? Because I know it's different because script writers do movies and different stuff like that, but they kind of seem like they would balance each other out. But correct me if I'm wrong here. Yeah, it's not an area that I've really put too much time into thinking about. I'm not a fiction writer. I think that there's a certain kind of skill and talent that goes into how to write a movie. Um, and I just have never been on that path. I mean, if the opportunity arose, I would love to give it a shot, but I'm not here trying to write the next edition of The Wire or something like that. Um, I wish I could. I just don't have a fiction-centric mind. I, I live in the world of nonfiction. And, and the genres are just so separate from one another. Sure, storytelling overlaps in both, but I'm going to leave the script writing to the professionals and you know, watch the movies that I want to watch and uh, you know, I'll I'll go write the speeches. Okay, cool. I I just thought I would ask because that would be super cool. 
And so whenever you think about the amount of success that you've had so far, I want to learn something that digs deep here. I want to know that start ugly moment. What was that start ugly moment when you first got into this industry and how has it made you a better writer? Yes, um, I got to go deep on this one. Um, So I was part of Toastmasters for a while and actually rejoined just the other day because I need to get my public speaking skills just up a little bit more than where they're at now. But one thing that separates out Toastmasters is they have competitions where you can get up there, give a speech, and you get rated, and you compete against other people, and you can go up more levels. Well, I was competed at my club level, which is the first one, and it was the humorous speech competition. I did really well that first night, and I just killed. Every, every joke was landing, every speech, every story was landing. I did just an incredible job. So I move up to the second level and I go into this whole group of strangers. People had on their best clothes, felt like church. And I give my first story in the speech. It was absolute silence. I tell the second story. It's supposed to be a funny story. I get that tepid laughter. And then my mind is racing. Oh my God, I'm bombing. And I end the speech. I get polite applause, but of course it's Toastmasters and you're always going to get applause. And I was just reeling from that uh, speech. But luckily, my mentor said to me, look, it's painful, but it's worth it. And I stuck it out. I stayed with Toastmasters. I stayed with the public speaking and just continued to work on my skills. And that transferred over to when I was writing as well. I said, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to let this be the one story that I tell myself. I'm going to tell a different story, one that says, I'm going to get back on that stage try again and not bomb. Yes. It's just like when a kid falls down and they get a boo-boo and they're like, mommy and daddy, I don't want to do it anymore. But then you encourage them to get back up, shake it off, dust off the boo-boo. You're like, oh, you want me to kiss your boo-boo and make it feel better? And they're like, yeah. And then they just go back to playing. And it's kind of like, you know, in life, we have to get back on that saddle because if we don't, then we're not going to reach our highest level of altitudes and we're not going to turn those dreams into realities because we're going to allow fear or the what ifs to hold us back. So I'm glad that you got back up and you continue pressing on with Toastmasters and et cetera, because when you're in a field, you have to constantly work on owning your craft because that is what's going to set you up for success, but also set you apart from your competitors. You're continually cultivating the area that you're in and you want to make sure that you're the best in that area and you're focusing on you staying your lane instead of comparing yourself to other people. Agreed. You put it perfectly. Um, I, I love how you talked about just working on your craft. That's one of the reasons I went back to Toastmasters. I'd gotten kind of rusty at my public speaking skills especially during COVID, I didn't have anyone really to talk to. I was kind of alone. Um, You know, I I mean, I had friends and family, but it wasn't the same type of like social outings or, you know, giving speeches to people or seminars. Instead, everything was virtual and I just didn't have as many opportunities to speak, but now I'm seeking them out in order to make myself a better speaker and hopefully a better writer at the same time. And I was definitely going to encourage you with doing more podcasting that actually helped like 
when I first like started podcasting, I was like, I don't want to do any videos. Like I don't want to get dressed. I don't want to put on makeup because I'm just not that chick. Like I've been that chick that always hangs out with the guys, do the guys type of stuff until I got married. And I was like, okay, I can't really hang out with the guys because I'm married now and I have you know, I have to be respectful, but now like just overcoming that hurdle and getting away from imposter syndrome really helped me because I was like, the person holding me back are not those people. It's me. I'm allowing those thoughts in my head to take me back. And if I keep going back, I'm retreating instead of stepping up to the plate, knocking that ball and making that home run. And so now I have this quote that keeps me grounded, but also pushes me. It's by Babe Ruth that says, never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. So every time that I feel fear creeps up, I'm like, nope, I got to hit that ball. I got to make that home run. I love it. So I challenge you to find a quote that ignites you. And whenever you feel like you want to retreat, recite that quote so it could help enlarge you because your destiny is so much brighter once you fire on all cylinders, Eddie. Oh, well, thank you. I will start looking for that quote that fires me up. I, I, I come across tons of quotes when speech writing. I wish I could remember all of them at this moment, but they kind of just uh, come and go as they please. You could do the sticky note method. Whenever you see a quote that's just amazing, write it down on a piece of sticky note and then build that up. Ooh, I like that. I, I'll start building a quote library on my wall. <laughs> yes. And then you, it helps you enlarge your vision too, because as you see those quotes, you're like, why did I write down this quote? How did it make me feel? And how can I use this quote to ignite me during my speech writing process? Yeah. I, I will take that tip. That sounds, that's, that's really cool. So I want to do a fun exercise here, Eddie, and I want you and I to switch roles where I'm now in the passenger seat and you're now in the driver's seat. And I want us to do some role playing with what a speech writing um, experience will look like with you. Is that cool with you? Sure. Let's do it. Okay, cool. So I'm in the passenger seat. Take it away. All right, Genesis, thank you for reaching out to me. I'm glad that you contacted me for help on your next speech. Can you give me just an overview of what it is that you're going to be talking about? Yes. Yeah, so today I'm going to be talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and how to really take ownership of your career. Okay, great. So who's your audience? Who are you going to be speaking to? C-suite executives, for those Fortune 500 companies, and overall employees who are interested in moving the needle forward with DEIMB and not just seeing it as a check the box initiative. Got it. Got it. So I guess, what do you want them to take away from your speech? So if you could summarize your speech's main point or main takeaway in one sentence, what would it be? Accountability transparency, integrity, and action. Okay. We'll dig deep into a little bit more about that. Can you just kind of just elaborate a little bit more for me on each one of those pieces? Yes. So I want them to take action by holding one another accountable whenever it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Whenever you are going up and you're talking about these new initiatives, 
make it make sense, hold one another accountable. And if you feel like someone is doing something that is playing off of unconscious biases, let that person know because we are trying to grow in this area and we want to make sure that we do have diverse leaders, we have diverse thoughts, and we have a diverse group of people who are coming together to make it better. Inclusivity, make sure that everyone is included, that they are seen as well as being heard, and then have a sense of belonging. Do they feel valued? Do they feel like they're valued, but they're also adding value to the subject matter and the overarching goals? And then the last thing, equity, is there a balance? Is it fear between males and females and races overall? Wow, you've put a lot of thought into this and you have a really, really good speech so far. I love it. Um, what are some stories that you could probably tell that might support your points? I could definitely tell a personal story of me going through systemic racism working for a Fortune 500 oil and gas company where I was one, the only woman on my team. And then the other layer was being the only woman of color, AKA, I like to call myself that chocolate drop because chocolate is just irresistible, no matter um, what shades, whether dark, white, milky, you get the point here. And just like talking about how I navigated my career in corporate America and how I took ownership of stepping outside of that box to really level up where I wanted to go. And it wasn't easy, but just buying in with other people who didn't necessarily look like me. So those allies, but then also engaging in those difficult yet courageous conversations. That sounds like a really good story to build the core of the speech around. Um, but going back to our audience, um, this, this is a kind of a, I, I don't know how to say it correctly, a touchy subject within Fortune 500 companies and corporations. Um, they're not ready necessarily to have the conversation or they don't think that they are. What are some objections that might come up um, that in, in your audience's mind that you're going to need to preempt? We've had this conversation already. We've received money from our shareholders. We're doing the best that we can. We'll, we'll look at a Myers-Briggs assessment or Clifton Strengths, or we'll just, we'll just get a speaker that's well-versed on this subject and bring that individual in. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> but we've done that already and it didn't work. Yeah, those sound like Band-Aids almost to the problem. Yeah. So what would you say to those objections? Um, what would you say, you know, in terms of, you know, that's those, those thoughts going through people's minds, I guess, what would be the answer to it? I would definitely say we need to have a 360 degree feedback session. So the leaders are learning from the employees as well as vice versa. So we are bridging the gap and closing any, um, lack thereof communication. Then as far as bringing in an outside consultant, that person doesn't know your company structure. They don't know your value and they don't work in your field day in and day out, but they are giving knowledge from a, in, from a wide perspective. But if it does not fit the need of our industry and where we're trying to go, then all we heard was a great speech that makes us feel good, but it's not giving us action items to continue with the momentum. Wonderful, Genesis. Um, we've got a great speech ready to go, I think, in just, you know, five minutes here. 
Um, I love it. You've got to really, you've got to, you've, you know your message, you've got stories, you know what the objections are going to be, and we're in a very good spot to move forward. So I'll have some follow-up questions for you. I'll send over email and that'll help flesh out a lot more of the ideas that we talked about. But you're in an excellent spot right now, much better than a lot of the clients that come to me that don't have too much ready to go. Uh, Les, sounds like you've practiced and rehearsed it um, in your head many times and you're ready to give this speech. And I think it's the time is now to give it. It's an important message. It needs to be heard. And it, let's definitely work together to make this happen. And scene. And that completes our role-playing exercise, y'all. And that actually felt good talking about it and hearing you ask those questions. And the reason why I wanted to do that, Eddie, is because sometimes people don't necessarily understand what business you're in until they actually hear it or see a live um, reenactment of it to just kind of really solidify it. And since you do some amazing work with your clients, I really wanted to pull that out of you and use me as a quote unquote, guinea pig. You did fantastic. I love the exercise. This is the first time on a podcast I've been asked to do this, but I love it. And you just got the real experience. That's exactly how a phone call would go. We'd go a little bit deeper. Usually we'd spend an hour talking about those subjects. Um, but I knew that we had to kind of truncate it, uh, you know, due to the length of the podcast. And thank you so much for uh, being a team sport there and going, going through that exercise with me. And as we begin to wind down, what are some tips that you want the listeners as well as the viewers to walk away with when it comes to making their speeches memorable and really giving them that confidence, because I feel like in order to deliver a good speech, you have to be confident with your tone of voice, your body language, because people can sense fear with your body language and your overall presentation of how you look, because people are judging you, whether you want the judgment or not. Yes, very true. Uh, one thing that I would tell people to do is to know your main point and your key takeaway for your audience. So you want to know what point you're driving home and your call to action. You want to use stories to tell your to tell your speech, and you want to practice and rehearse many times um, ahead of the speech. You need to get sick of your speech essentially in terms of when you practice it and how you rehearse it. You want to get to that point where you've internalized it and you don't have that fear that people can sense in, a, in, a, in, a, in an idea of the word. And then finally, um, if you're doing a ceremonial speech, you want to honor the person and honor the event. And if you can do those things with a wedding toast, a retirement speech, you're going to have a great speech in the end. That is amazing. And thank you so much for giving those um, tips there, because I'm definitely going to jot those down. So now, for the contact part, people want to know, hey, I need Eddie in my life. How can I reach out to Eddie? So plug your website and where you hang out on social media. Sure. My website is Rice Speech Writing. So Rice, just like the food, R-I-C-E, followed by speechwriting.com. You can go there. You can download the first chapter of my book, Toast, Short Speeches, Big Impact and pre-order it on Amazon. It's due out April 18th, 2022. And you can find me on LinkedIn as well. I really hope to start posting a lot more on there, but you can definitely find me on there, add me as a connection, message me if you need to, and we'll take it from there to make a great speech together. 
And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Genesis Amaris Kent, and we just heard Eddie Rice. In order to really get out there, you have to start by taking that first step and doing it. So I like to say, si se puede, yes, I can, or like Nike, just do it. And don't tell me the sky's the limit when there are footprints on the moon, quote by Paul Brandt, because sometimes we allow our mindset to condition us to remain in a holding pattern and a place of complacency when you were uniquely created for such a time as this. So I need you to pop, sparkle, and shine and be uniquely you so you could start to lead and leave an impact so you could create those memorable speeches. So until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. We're on 40 plus platforms and follow us on YouTube at Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp for all things video content. Ciao. Thank you for listening to another segment of Gems Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P at gmail.com where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.